Hey everyone, welcome to the HC High. In this series, we'll get to know current students in the Georgia Tech HCI program, and our goal is to expand your understanding of what HCI looks like and explore the personalities that make our program what it is. Hi Tommy, so nice to see you. I'm really excited to interview you because I want to know more about you outside of you know, us just hanging out and talking about school stuff. So for everyone to get to know you, do you want to introduce yourself, like your name, where you're from, and what you were doing before you came to Georgia Tech? Sure. So my name is Tommy Adelin. I am in the interactive computing track and I'm in the class of 2023, so I'm a second year currently. And before I arrived here last fall, I worked at a healthcare software company and was a project manager there for three years up in Wisconsin. And how's your first year been yes. being at GT? It was really great. When I was going through the grad school hunt, I was a mess. Like I applied to <laughs> probably who wasn't a mess <laughs> in that time period, but I applied to six or seven different programs, but they were all like different degrees too. So oh. when I had gotten into a couple of all of the ones that I applied to. I had three entirely different degrees and three like entirely different regions too. One was like in Spain and one was Spain? in like California oh, wow. and then GT obviously. So I was really nervous when I ended up choosing this even though it was my first choice mm -hmm. um, because it was a program that I had already convinced myself that I wasn't qualified for mm -hmm. and just based off of looking at everything that I would be studying a lot of like my application materials felt like I was just writing off like this pipe dream kind of but I figured I would try anyway and then once I got in and actually came here so many of my expectations were met or surpassed because I didn't really know what I was going to get into specifically I feel like one of the big things that I always tout about the HCI program here is how much unstructured learning is happening and yeah. you and I have talked about that yeah. too of like it's so much fun to just sit by someone random and just say hey what are you working on right now and just be in awe for like those next five minutes of hearing about whatever it is that they're doing and when I think back to my old job when I think about my undergrad experience I just don't think I was having those kinds of conversations like I have been in this first year so that's probably been my favorite part about this first year. Of course, like the research opportunities, the things we're learning in class, like the fun things that all of us get to do on the weekends and whatnot, those are all great too, but I don't know. There's so many times where my brain is kind of blown away yeah. by talking to random people. This is such an asset that I never thought I'd have before, which has really colored my experience. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are doing really cool things. You don't find out until you ask. Yeah. And having those conversations is really nice, so what projects you're currently working on that sure. I have a few I'd say that I'm pretty excited about, but I'll choose one that is based out of my class design of online communities. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with Dr. Amy Brookman is the professor for that and I think that there's a lot of people like this in GT but the opportunity to be in a class from someone who's a leader in the research space who you're reading the research papers of in class. That in itself is always kind of like a wild moment to realize I'm learning from who feels like the best and the brightest in this space. So I definitely already have that like admiration for her work. The semester long project that we have for that class is basically a full on ethnographical analysis of whatever online community that your group wants to choose. So 
the project we're proposing is for Midjourney, which I don't know if you've heard about that, but so Midjourney is one of those AI tools that people can write a prompt into and then it generates full high resolution imagery that is just gorgeous. And this community that is the official like Midjourney team stamped Discord server where people can go in and use Midjourney where I type in my prompt into certain channels of that Discord server, and then the bot will generate whatever that is. So there's like a million people in this Discord server, and they're all just constantly putting out new art, and they're talking to each other about how do I make my prompts better? How can I try to achieve this type of style of art or mimic this artist while still like keeping the rest of my prompt together? Because there's almost a strategy to it. As a part of analyzing the community, we're being asked to immerse ourselves in the community before we study it. So yesterday I spent 45 minutes just like plugging away like whatever <laughs> words that I want into this prompt, which is fun to have this artistic outlet in me because at least currently I don't identify as like an artist, but I definitely appreciate art. And now AI is able to enter the art world. And recently there was a headline of somebody using Midjourney to win an art competition that other people who were sketch artists like doing things by hand also entered in so now it's like this debate of ethically who owns that art and should we value that art the same as like a hand-drawn piece or something so the use of the tool and being part of the community and talking to artists is cool and that's one thing but the fact that this project is giving me the opportunity to ask those more theoretical questions about art valuation like why do they use mid-journey what do they think about the community and what do they have to say about this time period we're in now? I'm really excited to get into it. It's similar to what I was saying before, but I just keep on finding myself in these project positions where I never would have thought I would have done something like this three years ago, if you asked me. So to be here now, there's just a lot of things to be excited and grateful about because I don't know what I think about these questions, but maybe I can talk to these artists and figure out their take and figure out my own too. That's interesting because like, it's like relatively like a new online community. Right. So I'm excited to see what you come up with. Also just excited to see what are these people actually thinking or what are their goals or their motivations behind doing that. Right. You know? I'm crossing my fingers that we're able to interview a wide spectrum of people, whether they're the moderators and guides of that server or people who are in this corporate setting. I don't know. That's what we get for doing this interview at the start of the semester and not <laughs> at the end once I've already done the research. <laughs> I feel like you find yourself researching on a lot of different subjects. So for example, design of interactive environments, right? You're thinking how to make this experience of, what was it? The We did the baggage, baggage claim. Baggage claim, Yeah, last right? year. <laughs> and then making them feel more like at ease right. with all these interactive lights. And then also, I think, were you working on like AR, VR stuff, I think? We were right? thinking about it last fall mm -hmm. for foundations. One of the main classes that we have to take as a part of the program, my group was thinking about so the problem space was grocery shopping when you were visually impaired. Mm -hmm. And we had thought about what if there was an AR app that went before you get to the store, it kind of shows you a heads up display of where like the seven items that are on your grocery list are in the store so that that visually impaired person can prep before they actually get into the store. We ended up going with something else. Haven't actually done AR, but another opportunity where it's just like, how did I get here? I don't even understand. So you're moving in towards the media industry, right? Yeah. You just did an internship at UMG. Mm -hmm. So what makes you curious and like passionate about music and media in general? Oh, this is... <laughs> 
I could go on forever about this, I think. So I'll start with what kicked it off for me, right? I've like, been a musician for most of my life. I was, yeah. My older siblings tell me that I was singing throughout the house and filling our home with screeches and squeals when I was five or six. And then I decided to make a career out of it. No. <laughs> But yeah, I know. Here I am trying to be a researcher or a product manager in the music industry when I really should just be a singer-songwriter <laughs> at the end of the day. No. So yeah, I sang all my life. Being someone who grew up in choirs and theater in that whole community out of high school and then seeing like the select few attempt to go study that in their own undergrad or professional experiences, more so like on the performing route. I had this gridlock of like internal inertia where it's like I'm seeing my friends try to end up on Broadway or something and that is so hard, you know, trying to be a performer is incredibly difficult. And watching that happen, I had this weird sense of jealousy in the sense of, well, I know I'm not good enough and try to be some famous singer, but I still had this jealousy of, I mean, at least they're trying. They have this thing that they love and they are trying to do something with that. and. Especially if it's something artistic, I think that there is this pride and adoration that I've always felt for people like that because even if you're not successful, like you're getting up and you are trying to make a living off the things that you understand you love to do. So on the time that I'm studying business, right, and I'm having these thoughts like, okay, everything's a business. Maybe there's a spot for me in the room next to where all my friends are performing, you know? Maybe there's a behind the scenes spot that I could end up in. So. Once I shrugged and said, okay, I probably am not going to get this right out of college, but what can I do next? I ended up getting involved with So Far Sounds. I worked that like back in Champaign in my undergrad and then in Madison when I lived there. And being the person who was scouting artists, who was hosting them, hosting the show, setting up the logistics of whatever production we were going to have, that was super exciting to me. And it was a confirmation that like, yes, there is a spot for me in this world. Yeah. I go work in healthcare software for a bit. I thought that healthcare was gonna make me feel really good. Again, another fully <laughs> separate podcast if we truly wanted it to be, but healthcare's challenging, as you know. You're surrounded by people who are super passionate, but the stakes, they're grave. You suddenly get into a point where if I don't send these emails off, it's life or death. It's gonna affect patient care or something. And that's a such a challenging way to live. As I grow my skills and whatnot, and I'm dealing with this culture that I don't love in the industry, I'm reminded of maybe I'm getting to a point where I can take that passion of music and my adoration for artists and apply the structure and, I don't know, more method, 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 methodological? Methodological. Methodological? Methodological? I don't know. Methodological? <laughs> oh my god. Methodologies. Method methodologies now yeah. yeah methodical 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 what? <laughs> okay where was it oh yeah so here i was kind of admiring like this arts world that has all these cool passions there and i thought maybe i can bring my methodical approach to things mm -hmm. and these hard skills that i've learned from business into there so now as you mentioned post internship at a major record label and i've had had all these opportunities in the program to do projects in the music space. Some of my passion here is there are a lot of things about the music industry that are either outdated or they are doing it because that's the way that it's always been. And now I'm really excited to get into technologies that can enable 
artists and businesses to conduct their work in a higher tech way. The idea that fans have never been closer to artists or been able to know more about artists really fascinate me. Yeah. And fandom in itself is exciting. The data behind fandom is something that really intrigues me. So being able to know way more about our fans and the way they interact with artists, to know way more about who's listening to artists and how and why they're listening or when they're listening to artists the most. I think there's yeah. just such a huge untapped potential. Now I'm finally in a position where I can bring some of this skills and knowledge to those friends that were just trying to figure themselves out. And that just makes me feel really happy. There's just a deep earnest satisfaction to have a through thread of I'm back in a position where I'm going to surround myself with people who I truly respect and I just want to make their jobs better. Yeah, this is so cool. So you did healthcare and you want to help people, so like that's kind of the direction you're going. Exactly. Music, you've always loved music, you used to sing, and you also love listening to music, right? And then you're also learning all these tools to learn about people through this program. And so all this is kind of helping you get to where you want to go, and it's really exciting. It is really exciting. Yeah, that's the great thing about school and this program, I feel. Yeah. There are so many open doors that I think the harder thing is choosing what to say no to yeah, and not choosing the between like the couple of yes, right? Yeah. Classes, like choosing like a research prompt and your problem space for a semester. There's a lot on our plate that every now and then you have to take a step back to be like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. Who else gets this? Lucky us. Lucky us. All right. So we're going to try this one minute where you can share anything about what you're interested in or like what you think best reflects you or just something for us to get to know you better and so I'll kind of give this time for you to talk about it and then mm -hmm. we can discuss it. <laughs> Am I timed? No, it's just um, It's a theoretical one minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll talk a little bit about career switches and figuring out what you want to do because I think that I think that I am perhaps misunderstood in a way of People in our program know that I studied business in undergrad. I'm pretty vocal about it. I study business. I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, I don't know how to do that. Like, I know how to like, balance a, a balance sheet. I don't even know the right accounting word, so not a true business grad, I guess. But I think that there is a misconception that I'm here in this completely new field, and it's like I know exactly what I want to do. And let me tell you, I do not know what I want to actually do, and I kind of never have. So And that's okay. That's okay, right. Yeah. I think it's just unfortunate that we expect like 17 18 year olds to be like hey you know what you want to go do for the rest of your life right totally. like just go just go do that yeah. go study that one thing and throw down a ton of money and time and effort into this thing and dedicate yourself just to that mm -hmm. I study business out of not knowing what else I wanted to do specifically mm -hmm. and I thought that this would make the most sense in terms of businesses everywhere. But I think it's unfortunate that so much of my undergrad experience was spent working towards these goals that were given or advised to me. And when you take time to try to explore something that defies those goals, that's often held against you. So mm -hmm. freshman year, I thought maybe I'd want to go pre-med. And my freshman year of undergrad, I was spending half my time in business courses, half my time in like biology and chemistry courses. And I really struggled with trying to straddle these two separate programs. After deciding I'm not going to go the pre-med route, I go back to business and now I have this GPA that reflects my C's and B's of chemistry and biology and they're 
holding me back from getting into internships or into certain like programs and majors because I have a lower GPA because I thought that I wanted to try something new. I tried it and then I, I didn't get really any sort of congrats or even acknowledgement to say, hey, you tried other things, good for you, and now that you are more focused or now that you've cut that one thing off your list, I am willing to excuse you trying out these new things and being confused and not getting the best grades. I fast forward a few years, I'm in this project management role, and I look at all the other jobs that I could go get out of that role, and they're all project management things. And part of the reason why I found out about this program to begin with is that I was seeing these really cool design roles or community moderation roles that were asking for like an HCI or something similar degree requirement. And I'm sure that if I just applied before getting into this master's program, I probably would have been immediately rejected. And again, I wouldn't have that opportunity to just say, I would like to try this and here are experiences that have proven, you know, I've got the soft skills of I'm trustworthy, I'm accountable, I can do things on time, but I just haven't learned these new things and I'd like to learn those things now. I wish it was as easy to say, I wish everyone could either have the confidence or the optimism to just take that leap of faith and try something new. Take you as an example, right? A resident pharmacist who is now in this master's program doing design, and it's like as easy as it would be to say, okay, you were a pharmacist and now you're switching over to design. That means you don't like anything pharmacy. I'm not expecting you to ever do anything healthcare again. I wish the world wasn't so black and white sometimes, especially when it comes to this age range of your 20s where you are only getting bits and pieces of this world, and you might be 24 and you find out an entirely new field or role that exists, and that sounds awesome and I've never heard of this before but I deserve the opportunity to go explore that interest you know yeah. definitely over a minute but that's I, my platform I'd say <laughs> I do have a question I think career switches like you said are harder because people are kind of afraid of the unknown I'm wondering how did you overcome that obstacle or what were the obstacles you think you were facing and then how did you overcome them yeah, those are great questions. I'll start with the obstacles that I was facing and then how, and then I'll talk about how I got through them. So I did my career switch as well as my eventual application to this program at the height of the pandemic. So I think that in one way, the context of being the pandemic and everyone being like, so this is just my job now. Yeah, yeah. Immediately these things change and I now have the obstacle to say, I don't think anyone's hiring right now, but I definitely, don't enjoy my current spot, so how can I get to where I'm going next? All right, I guess I just need to start talking to a lot of people and hearing from other people what they're doing and if their LinkedIn title is actually as interesting as I think it sounds like when I first <laughs> read it. So putting yourself out there in a time where I think everyone was hesitant to commit to anything, uninformed about the future, I think that was one big obstacle that I faced. I'd say another obstacle that I kind of touched on was I was looking at these new opportunities and every single posting I saw confirmed that I'm not qualified for it. I think it is super easy to look at job postings and immediately have that imposter syndrome kick in to say like, well, there's no way I'm going to get this. But I think to get to your first question of like, how do I get through it? It helps I'm the kind of person who just does not care. <laughs> like, I, I very gladly will add that extra resume to the pile for a recruiter to like laugh at and immediately <laughs> delete. Like, I could not care less. Because you're never going to know, yeah, right? Yeah, I love that. Like, I actually love that about you. You're just like... Fearless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I think it helps that I know when I'm doing something that is just a crapshoot, but like, why not? The worst that they could have, the worst thing that could happen is that I'm told no. And I'm not going to downplay that what the what it feels like to be told no like a consecutive 20 times after every job posting you've applied to because I felt that before. But I think once you have gotten confident enough in yourself to like be consistently in this experimental mindset where I'm just going to keep on going anyway because something is going to work out, you're able to take things a lot less personally. Yeah. And it, you you shouldn't be asking yourself, why did I not get this? Why am I not qualified for this? And remember that, oh yeah, I bet you someone who is fully qualified for this applied and then got it like they rightfully should. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a sense of justice, I think, that yeah. happens in the professional world that you can forget about because it's like, well, I wanted that. Yeah, and it's I like, know. well, maybe someone who actually had the eight years of experience in this thing that they wanted yeah. deserved it and got that role. I also think recognizing that I am the only one that I can truly trust to get the things that I want helps me get through obstacles like that too because if we rewind back to me being in a rut at my old job, I knew that if I didn't go try to look for a creative role or even just a project manager in a creative industry, nobody else was going to come to me and just say like, hey, do you want that dream job that you don't really understand that you want yet, you know? <laughs> You should always be giving yourself time to feel bad or kind of grieve the loss of an opportunity. But I think once you're done with that quote unquote grieving process, you have to buck up and say, it's my name who's on that resume. It's my mouse that's clicking that apply button. And if I don't ever do that, these things don't just appear out of nowhere. I think in life, it's easier to at least say, it's going to be me, and it has to be me, and if I'm not my own number one fan, that nobody else will be. So advocating for yourself is really important. Yeah, I think that's such a good skill to have. I still struggle with this sense of, oh, what happens if I fail? But to another point that you were saying, which was like, get comfortable with the reality, you know what I mean? Like whatever feedback you're getting, that's also feedback that you can kind of Mm -hmm. Once you're comfortable with that, you can use that to your advantage to fix yourself and get after what you want. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I have this outlook because I've only gotten every opportunity that I've ever tried for, right? It's one of those lessons or it's one of those traits that I don't think you can really be born with. I think you really do need to experience it and learn, but I don't know, that's life. And we're not the first people who have been rejected by their dream company. Mm -hmm. We're not the first people who didn't get the opportunity to explore something that you love. I mean, there's billions of people on this planet. You'd like to think mm -hmm. that there's other people who are happy with how their paths played out. And remembering that I fully deserve to be one of those people too, mm -hmm. eventually, eventually, I think, yeah. helps you kind of justify the process might be long, but I will get there. And it's my process to own and see through too. Okay, thank you for sharing yourself with everyone who's listening to this podcast. People are listening right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening to HC High. Stay tuned for another episode where we interview another exciting member of this exciting program. Bye. Bye. Methodological, I think is what it is. Methodological, yeah. It's because it's like H-O-D-O-L-O-G-O, -O -O or G-I. Yeah. There's a lot of O's, lot of and it's like, yeah. which letter, which O-L-O-G-O. O-L-O-G-O!
Yeah, methodical completely takes out all that OGO stuff. What's up with that? What is up with that? Is there a difference between methodical and methodological? Methodological! Petition to put back the O-L-O-G. Right. O Say that. Yeah. You just dropped it. They just cold, dropped it. Cold people. The, it's a cold, cold world. That's the thing. That's business, baby. We're just moving too <laughs> you quickly. Know about that. Yeah, we're just moving too quickly. Everything is efficient. This optimize that. Like, what happened to the methodological? <laughs> <laughs> Dead. Uh, so fun.